Hi, this is Pete. And this is Kelly from Frequency Cast, the UK TV and tech podcast. Now, this is a little special we've put together for you based on a trip we took to London a couple of days ago. Now, Kelly, live long and prosper. Thank you. Excellent. Now, could you do the hand sign, please? I can indeed. Oh, look at that. Kelly is doing the Vulcan salute with the two fingers together thing. I'm very impressed. Now, I didn't really place you as a Trekkie. Why? Are you a bit of a Jean-Luc Picard fan by any chance? No, I love Spock. Now, before we started recording, you were telling me where you last saw Spock. He was in one of your favourite shows, wasn't he? What was that? He was in The Big Bang Theory. Unfortunately, he convinced Sheldon to do a bad thing. So, you little Trekkie, I have a nice piece of audio to play you. Now, sadly, you weren't free to join me for a little trek to Excel, were you? No, I'm so sorry. A superb day, and here is a little summary recorded at the Destination Star Trek show. I'm at London at the Excel Centre for Destination Star Trek London. Now, what I'm looking at is a fairly large hall in the Excel Centre in London, full of people very, very keen on all things Trek. What I can see here are various halls doing special talks where the captains are chatting about their experiences on Star Trek. The technical people are talking about how they put the effects together. But most of all, there are fans wandering around and a surprising number of them actually in costume, of course, from the original Star Trek series. Now, keen to catch up with a few people here, I've been visiting some of the stands to find out exactly what's going on. If I look around the hall, I can find different sections. There's the Federation section and the Klingon section. And a little later this afternoon, we'll be seeing the first Klingon wedding taking place in the UK. An amazing amount of people wandering around in various costumes. I've just seen a very clever Borg that looks like they've got the motherboard of a ZX-81 strapped to their back, which is rather clever. Now, dear listener, you know me rather well. I'll go to any show or any exhibition and always seek out the most glamorous looking young ladies. And I'm now joined by Sam and Carol, who are... We're the Trekkie Girls. Okay, Carol, I'll turn to you first. Tell me what you're doing here today. We're tweeting, we're sending photos, and just generally interacting with people here. Okay, so you're bloggers and you talk about all things to do with the, the Star Trek world, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. We're, um, we're 24th century girls stuck in the 21st century. Okay, that makes sense. And what are you here to do today particularly? Are you talking to the fans or trying to get to talk to the celebrities? Or what, what are you after today? There's a little bit of both, actually. It's, it's generally uh, captivating the, the feel of the day um, and, and sharing that with our followers and readers and, and also just sharing the enjoyment that we get from going to events like this and trying to encourage others to do so. Looking around, we're in a very, very busy hall. Lots of guys around, some of them in uniform, some not. Now, you're in your uniforms, which is good. If I've got this right, this is the original series uniform. Yes, right. yes these are both original. Um, I wear the red shirt, which is likely to die. And <laughs> Sammy is a captain. And what about your favourite characters, then? So, are, are you really... TOS fans or do you do you go for some of the newer series? Um, I think we're actually predominantly Next Generation fans. Um, so why aren't you in the, uh, the Next Gen outfits then? Well, these are much more glamorous. <laughs> I have to say, that's true, yes. You've got the boots and the skirts that you got from the original series. So you run a blog. Could you give me a blatant plug for your blog website so that all the girlies listening to the show can go along and see what this is all about? 
Yeah, um, log on to www.trekkygirls.com. Um, we have a series of episodes. We do um, lots of mini-series, such as how to survive Star Trek conventions. Um, we also have our Trekkies in Trainings, which you can abbreviate as you wish. Um, basically, we try to assimilate our friends into the 24th century mindset. And, uh, and we'd like to assimilate you too, please. I'm guessing resistance is futile, is that right? Absolutely. <laughs> Now, I have a chap in front of me by the name of Dave from a company called Realize Digital. And what drew my attention to their stand is they have a replica of a Star Trek transporter room. Uh, Dave, tell me what's going on here, please. Well, CBS uh, are the home of Star Trek in the UK. They're coming here today. They wanted to do something special for the Star Trek fans. Uh, so we had a chat to see what we could do that would be a little bit different and really get them excited. And, of course, there's nothing better than the transporter and being beamed up. So we used augmented reality. We've built a whole stage. You get your friend to stand up there and using any Android or iOS smartphone, you can download the Beam Me Up app and it comes with lots of rich content, uh, video interviews um, with, uh, with Shatner and Nimoy, etc. The key thing at the, at the venue is that you ask your friend to stand on the transporter, point the augmented reality camera towards it and your friend will get beamed up. Halfway through, you can take a photograph and upload that to Facebook or Twitter. So I've been watching a few people going through this process. I've seen people here with iPads and iPhones. What happens is somebody stands up on the stage and as if by magic on the screen of the smartphone, that person dissolves. So how is this actually working? What technology is going on behind the scenes here? Uh, we work with our partner, Erasma, and what it's doing is that whenever it recognises the stage, so it's almost using that image as a code image recognition, uh, it is then overlaying on top of that the same background image but with a transparency of the effect that you get from the actual Star Trek show and the, the audio. And in a, in a three to five second loop, that's making the person disappear by gradually bringing that image in. Excellent. Dave from Realize Digital, thank you very much. Very impressive technology. Uh, if I may, I'm going to beam off now. Thank you very much. course one of the main reasons why so many people flock to conventions such as destination star trek london is to meet up with the actors the ones that bring their favorite characters to life and all around me are queues leading to booths where there are various actors from all the different star trek series signing autographs and having their photo taken now i was lucky enough to catch a few words with john de lacy who of course plays q you knew that you were uh, on a show that was making uh, history so it was really fun. It was interesting. Always interesting. I mean, aside from these events, it's, it's you know, it isn't like I walk around the house in my Star Trek outfit or something like that. I, I'm, I'm just really pleased to have been involved in something that is as um, archetypal as, 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 as all of that, you know. Rather than spending my time at the convention trying to catch up with stars to get their autographs, I turned my attention to the science and technology behind Star Trek. And I was lucky enough to catch up with Ronald D. Moore, who's a very well-known screenwriter and producer for The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. He later went on to work on Battlestar Galactica. Science fiction on TV involves zapping around in spaceships and, of course, getting the science to sound vaguely plausible is key to making these shows the success that they are. And the first thing I wanted to know is how much effort goes into making sure that the science is correct. 
Well, on the show, we would have a, a full-time science... Well, not full-time. We had a science consultant on the, the, the series, on all the series. And the consultant changed several times through the year. One of them was uh, Narain Shankar, who was my friend from Cornell, who had a doctorate in physics, later became a writer, and then went on to CSI and so on. Uh, and the process was they were always available to consult with as you were sort of writing your script. You could call them up and say, I've got a problem here. How would the Enterprise do X, Y, or Z? And uh, other than that, then you would send them the story. They would get the story outline, and then they would also get the script. And the, 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 a good science consultant was someone who would read the script and send you back you know, a memo that would say, well, this doesn't work quite correctly in physics, but here's a suggestion. And the, the best science consultants were the ones that were not obsessive about getting it exactly right, because it was all made-up science on the show. But they were the, the best ones could sort of give you an indication of, okay, this isn't quite correct, but this is kind of close. Here's an idea that fits within our context of, of correct physics, and this is sort of what we established in the Star Trek universe, and this is how you might be able to make it work. And as far as the, the little technical mistakes go, I know uh, as soon as an episode goes out online straight away, there'd be people saying, well, in the original trick, this particular piece of technology didn't work in that particular way. How did you sort of cope with the, the, the fan feedback to technical gaps like that? You just learned to deal with it and just realize that there was no way to completely to avoid it. You know, there was a lot of people looking at the scripts uh, from continuity uh, perspective, from scientific perspective, and things just slipped through the cracks. It was just too much information. There's too many changes along the way. You're, you're doing draft after draft of the scripts. Page Change pages are going out to the set very quickly. You know, and then in editing, you're editing very quickly. And But you know, it was inevitable that there would be errors. And it just became sort of something that you said, well, you know what, that's kind of fun for the fans to figure out. They... Let them find all the flaws in the show and let them figure out the explanations about why that actually works in the Star Trek universe. I can imagine it was a lot of fun putting some of those the, the technical things in there. Trail. You would think it was fun. It was actually torturous. <laughs> I hated it. It was just very difficult stuff. I'm not a scientist. I just write for one on television. There were just times when I found myself writing dialogue between you know Jordy and Picard about some engineering problem. And it was mostly about the rhythm of the conversation. And I would, you know, the, you would just write tech in the script for tech. And then the science consultant would tell you what to put in for that place. And you just realize that some of this is just about pattern and rhythm. You know, Captain, the tech is teching. And if we don't stop the tech within 15 minutes, the, the warp engines will tech. Well, Mr. LaForge, you know, you call in auxiliary power and transfer the tech to the tech nacelles. No, Captain, that won't work. Wait, I have a theory, says Data. If we tech the tech in just the next five seconds, we might have a chance to finally tech our tech, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, how do I get out of this scene? Absolutely. Was there some kind of sort of Bible of, of tech expressions that you had to, to adhere to? There was a writer's guide, which we called the show Bible. There, there was the tech consultants. The Akutas had, you know, the technical compendium. There was a lot of information for writers, but most of the writers are liberal arts majors, and we don't know from this most of this stuff, and you, you sit in rooms and you find yourself in passionate arguments with other writers about what the warp drive can and cannot do, and yelling at each other because the transporter doesn't work that way. And at some point, you realize this is all madness, and it's just like, what are we doing? And uh, if there's one piece of technology that you'd like to see in real world that uh, you were involved in developing from a script point of view, what would that be? Any, I would any, want a holodeck. If I, Joe Manoski, who was a writer on Next Generation, once said, if he had a holodeck, he would never leave his house. Right, I'm in a queue with two lovely, well-dressed next-generation people. Your names, please. I'm Jacob. I'm Alishka. And what are you queuing for here today? For a photo shoot with Michael Dorn and Brent Spiner. 
Excellent. Of course, are Worf and Data. Is that right? Are they your favourite characters? Um, one of our favourite characters, definitely. And who is your favourite character? Uh, seven of Rogan. nine, maybe. Ah, okay. And yours? Mine is, of course, Captain Picard. <laughs> ah, of course. And uh, I believe Picard's here today somewhere if you want to go and meet him. Yeah, that would be great, of course. Now, one question for you. If any piece of Star Trek technology could be invented, what would your favourite piece of technology be? The transporter. Yeah, no more travelling, I understand. And uh, where, whereabouts are you from? We're from Prague. Ah, from the Czech Republic. Ah, Yeshkovi Voci. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, have a good day at the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Pete reporting once again from Destination Star Trek London. And I've stumbled across a fascinating stand with all sorts of models of various versions of Enterprises and Romulan ships and all sorts of clever technology. Uh, I'm talking to Lisa. First off, Lisa, uh, which company are you from? So we are from Star Trek, the official Star Trek collection. Okay, and collections of magazines and models. What are you offering me here? So what we are offering today is a collection of Star Trek ships, which also come with a magazine that details the Star Trek ships. And the models are actually die-cast and hand-painted. Forgive me, but I know there's only about five or six enterprises. So this is going to be a, a fairly short series of uh, magazines? No, actually, we're going to have up to 70 different magazines with different ships. 70. Right, let me just turn over to Gareth here. 70 ships. Uh, where are the other... 65 ships coming from? Yeah, I see. That's a good question. Uh, well, at the moment, we've got 69 actual confirmed ships on the list. Um, we've got some of the um, highlights, which I think will be the USS Defiant, the Romulan Bird of Prey, and also the Borg Queen ship. Wow, quite a collection. And you're telling me there's a nice little freebie uh, if you uh, sign up to the, uh, the magazine? There is, yes. If you subscribe, um, amongst other gifts, you also get a Borg Cube. And this is going to be a complete uh, one-off model. I don't think there's anything else like it around. And again, the, uh, the website address where you could find some more information about this? Sure. The website address is www.startrek-starships.com. Now, Lisa, if I've got this right, these aren't actually available quite yet. When do they appear on the market in the UK? So the magazine will be launching in February 2013. So today you get the opportunity to pre-register for a subscription, which will start in February. OK, I've just bumped into two stunning young ladies wearing what can only be described as amazing Star Trek outfits. First of all, uh, your name and uh, where you're from? Uh, my name is Masha and I'm from Croatia. And you are? My name is Tedea and I'm also from Croatia. Well, wow, and you've travelled here just for the uh, Star Trek exhibition today? Oh, well, actually, yes. We're staying here for a few more days in London, but primarily we are here for this Star Trek convention, yeah. Excellent. And who are you looking to meet today? Anyone in particular? William Shatner. He's so sexy. And Patrick Stewart. He's okay. so sexy. So you're a Patrick Stewart fan, is that right? Yes, yes. A huge fan, Patrick Stewart. I love Captain Picard. He is amazing. And I have to ask, these uniforms, did you actually wear these here or did you change when you got here? Uh, we wear them here, but we had our uh, jackets uh, over that. So I, was say, I just wonder how many people are on the London underground system at the moment wearing Star Trek outfits. You must be very brave to, uh, to wear this. <laughs> well, no, not really. I mean, it's London, everything is normal here, I guess. So. <laughs> and uh, is Star Trek very big in Croatia? Uh, yes, we have five conventions. It's a lot of fiction in general and fantasy. And, but we have also a Star Trek fan club in Croatia. It's a small fan club, but uh, great people and we have lots of fun there and stuff, yeah. Excellent. Ladies, I hope you enjoy the show. Have a very good time. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm now talking to John, who's at a very busy stand here at the Excel Centre in London. John, which company are you from? 
Uh, I'm from Forbidden Planet. We've got a store in central London, you may know, and uh, several up and down the country. And, of course, you are the mecca for anything to do with sci-fi memorabilia. Is that correct? Uh, We like to think so. We are the cult entertainment store, and that covers a whole lot of stuff, yeah. And you've got some very unusual stuff here. From what you were telling me earlier, the thing that's flying off the shelves is the Klingon Bird of Prey Haynes Manual. Is that right? Yeah, our very good friends at Haynes got us for that early, so other shops may have that in a couple of months' time. We've got it here today, and by golly, people have been very excited about it. So. Absolutely, they're flying off the shelves by the looks of it, and I'm assuming having a flick through it, it's things like uh, how to change a spark plug in a yeah. bird of prey. Yeah, I mean, should it break down while you're out there, this is the book you need, yeah, obviously. Because <laughs> you don't want to go back to their complaints department, I guess, yeah, do you? That, yeah, that, the, the, you, yeah, you just sort it out yourself, really. I also found some other weird stuff you've got here. The Neelix cookbook looked like an interesting one. People just want to go into the whole world. I mean, not just Star Trek. I mean, all the stuff we do, like Doctor Who, Star Wars, people just always want to go deeper and deeper into the worlds, not just watching the programmes, it's getting involved. And yes, the cookbooks that represent the food from the shows. Now, just looking at your stand at the moment, I can see a good half a dozen people, including some rather attractive young ladies over there, that are actually wearing the, the whole... Uh, Star Trek outfits. Why do you think so many people want to dress up, come along to things like this, buy the merchandise? What is it that that grabs people's imagination so much? I've been working for Forbidden Planet a long time, over 20 years. I think a comparatively recent thing, and um, you know, Halloween has become enormous for us over the last couple of years. Dressing up has just become an enormously fashionable thing to do over, I don't know, about the last five years. And yeah, it's just acting it out. Don't dream it, be it, as they said in Rocky Horror, you know. Are you selling any weaponry here today? The reason I ask is the press pack for here asks you to check your weapons in at security. Well, again, that's the same thing. I mean, if, you, if you've come as a Klingon, a lot of guys will come with the huge curved sword, the proper name for which is... Oh, escapes. the Batleth. That's the fella, yeah. <laughs> John, if someone wants to get hold of some amazing Star Trek merchandise and they can't make it down here to the show, do you have a web address where people can buy all this stuff? Yeah, uh, simple enough. We're ForbiddenPlanet.com. Easy enough to remember. Well, I have to say, my trip down to the destination Star Trek London at Excel was something of an eye-opener. And if you'd like to see some of the photos that I took on the day, please go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash trek. There you'll find all sorts of weird and wonderful photos and some more information. Hopefully you enjoyed this little Star Trek update, and if you did, we'd like you to consider listening to our show on a regular basis. Our shows are free and downloadable as a podcast. For more information, go to frequencycast.co.uk. Here's a little teaser of what we do. What have you got there? Ah, this is the latest bit of kit. Usually the station uh, ham radio is operated by those uh, astronauts who stay on station several months at the time. Have the top-up TV anytime box. We are absolutely disgusted with the service. We're measuring Carl's EEG. His retention level was in sort of the bottom third. I think he's a lost cause, in all honesty. And in breaking news, it looks like a new Freeview HD channel will be with us soon. This year's European Podcast Award 2010. The winner for the non-profit is Frequency Cast. After 200 yards, turn right. We've just officially been given the world record for the lightest touchscreen mobile phone in the world. I can send a text to Frequency Cast for you. That's true, I can now control my TV from my iPhone. Now, it's a darkened room you live in, isn't it, normally? Stay up to date with the latest TV and tech news with our free radio shows. To listen to our shows online, download the shows as a podcast or add the shows to iTunes, go to www.frequencycast.co.uk.
Frequency Cast Special Report Shutdown Complete